what's happening in the world in terms of the war in Israel and the horrific events that happened to people is heartbreaking. And certainly we do recognize the effects of trauma. Trauma is really its lasting emotional response that often results from living through a very distressing event. Experiencing a traumatic event can really harm our personal sense of safety, sense of self, and ability to regulate emotions and navigate relationships. Experience work interactions in a different and refreshing light. This is the Leader in You podcast, brought to you by EMC Leaders, taking care of the teams you care about. We bring the science of attachment and emotional connection and use insights over the last 50 years to share how you can build strong and connected relationships, as well as a connected culture. Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of The Leader in You. I'm Jenna Woolwind. And I'm Dr. Lola Gershville. Today, we're going to be discussing basically trauma, and the world is full of it right now. And unfortunately, there's so many events that have inspired this discussion and made us feel like it was really important to talk about. Lola, you and I were talking last week, and I told you I was online, and I found it's basically like a meme or, you know, someone posted something commenting that we're as human beings, we're actually not supposed to know all the terrible things that are going on in the world. But now, you know, in history, in the past, people didn't know all this stuff. We didn't have access to communication the way we do now. And now with social media and obviously all all forms of media, we can see all the horrible things that are happening. And it it can be a lot. PTSD is a huge it affects people in all different ways, from anxiety to depression. And not only people who have experienced something horrific themselves, but also people can feel the anxiety and depression secondhand. And so that's just a lot of emotion <laughs> at the end of the day that's coming back into people's personal lives and their work lives. And so I just wanted to talk to you about that. And what's your overall advice about managing trauma that we see in the world and what we have in our personal life and how we bring it to work. Like what, what are your thoughts about all this? Well, I think what's happening in the world in terms of the war in Israel and the horrific events that happened to people is heartbreaking. And certainly we do recognize the effects of trauma. Trauma is really its lasting emotional response that often results from living through a very distressing event experiencing a traumatic event can really harm our personal sense of safety, sense of self, and ability to regulate emotions and navigate relationships. So trauma comes from the Greek word a wound. It is a constriction, a narrowing, a diminishment of the emotional functioning. Gabor Mate talks about that trauma is not what happens to you, it is what happens inside you as a result of what happens to you. When horrific events happen and the ability to talk about them is so important for us. This is what we found in 9-11. Studies have shown that those companies that created support groups where people could talk about it, 
uh, were a lot more prone to move forward and they were able to be more engaged and more productive where the people who did not attend support groups, so they felt more isolated, alone, really were, were stuck in moving forward. We understand that suppressing emotions is very hard work, and it can really create this uh, impact on us where we can become more dysregulated in terms of our emotional responses or even in our interactions. A person who for example, is very stressed in what's happening and comes to, to the office and they have the difficulties understanding and they don't know how to share or how to express their hurt or worry, they might start to behave toward that person either aggressively or disengaged or rejecting them, which will create a negative cycle between these two people. And what we want is we want to eliminate that. We want to create a space where people can share and accept each other's emotional experience. So maybe one person who is suffering from maybe their relatives or whoever that they can be, feel connected to, like for example, the people in Israel. I mean, I have relatives in Israel, I have friends, and it's very, very difficult for me to know how scared they all are in this distressful situation, we need to be able to maybe tune into our emotions so that we can recognize and share how painful this is for us, maybe bodily sensation that we talk about, how it impacts our in terms of a pain in our body, is it in our chest, is it in your in our stomach, is it in your shoulder? So we can really articulate where it is landing in our body. And then when we can ask for what we need in that moment, oh, I need to know that everything is going to be okay. We're going to come out of it together. That gives me a little bit of hope. That gives me a little bit of sense that I'm not alone. And I think trauma continues on when we do feel alone, when we don't talk about it. The first sign of trauma is separation from yourself because your gut feelings are the strongest guide of what you need in the world. So when we ignore our feelings or push them aside, we start to disconnect from ourselves and other people. And the same thing from the other side. Let's say people are angry or people are have this viewpoint. It's all, again, talking about their experience, their emotions, what's happening for them. So I think the way we can eliminate and minimize the traumatic and and the effects of traumatic events is to make space for the emotional experience. It's really interesting that you mentioned example of 9-11 that when people talked about it at work, it seemed to have a better healing process from the trauma everybody went through. And obviously, when things are traumatic and they also can be a little political and feel a little personal, what do you think is the best way to make sure that when people can meet together and talk about things that could feel heavy and maybe even, you know, disagree, what's the best way to kind of mediate those conversations in the workplace? How How is the best way to present it to everybody so they feel comfortable in expressing their emotions, but also it stays maybe appropriate for the lack of a better word or not intense in creating more trauma in the workplace by creating an argument or something. What do you, what do you think? What would you, what would you give advice to um, HR professionals about how to manage that? 
To deal with trauma, you have to be emotionally present. HR professionals and managers can learn how to be emotionally present and how to work with emotion. Emotions can switch really, really fast. And if you lose your balance, you can really get stuck in a terrible negative cycle with your employees. We all vulnerable at work. There's no way out of it. If you shut down and shut people out to avoid that vulnerability, you become even more vulnerable. And you've, you've missed the most powerful joy in your life, which is connection with other people. The reason why I don't lose my balance is because I use the attachment roadmap to know how to get people back to safety. Our process, the EMC process, has three stages. The first stage is called the escalation stage. And the first step in the de-escalation process is to create safety and alliance. And what does that mean? That means that we um, articulate and make explicit that every person in this on this team is important. Every person is valued and matters. So we want to be able to provide safety for sharing emotions of how it impacts them because we do impact each other and specifically because people depend on each other in the office and in the teamwork. They need to be able to know that my emotions matters to you and you need to know that your emotions matter to me. So when we, first of all, articulate and say, we are all important to each other, we matter to each other. And we impact each other. That in itself provides a level field saying that, okay, everybody is important, valued, and matters. And the reason why we want to create space so we can accept each other's emotions. We can have that opportunity to to articulate, to name emotions. Matthew Liberman, he talks about the fact that when you make space for naming emotions, ordering emotions, articulating emotions... You create a calm effect for your amygdala, for the for the mammalian brain where the, the response of fight, f- or flight, or freeze comes through. When you relax the amygdala, well, guess what? Your prefrontal cortex gets back online. And why do we want that? Why do we care about the prefrontal cortex? The prefrontal cortex is where all the skills, logic, rationale is stored. So if you want people to be more empathic or more collaborative or more engaged or more communicative so they can better communicate, you have to get the amygdala to relax. Otherwise, the amygdala will hijack the prefrontal cortex in the moment of stress. By giving that space, number one, articulating everybody matters, everybody's important, everybody's valued. The second thing is let's talk about what's happening. How does it impact you what's happening in the world? And giving people the language of emotions. Because I think sometimes they don't know how to express it, but maybe if they do, that's great. They can know that I'm safe to share my true emotions and I'm going to be accepted. I'm not going to be rejected. I'm not going to be looked at as weak or pathetic by having these emotions. I'm going to be accepted what I feel is true to me. You don't have to agree with what I'm experiencing, but you have to accept that this are, these are my true feelings. So when you are, you have that sense that I'm going to even say I'm angry. I'm so angry. And you say that makes sense. So the third component to it is to know how to respond to the emotions that you share. You don't go into the defense or try to prove the other person wrong, but you're really saying, I hear you. That makes sense. 
that makes sense that you would be angry. So I'm validating, I'm reflecting, I'm also normalizing. Many of us might feel that way. So we're normalizing, we're accepting, and we're making more specific, naming the emotion. And all of that is really helping the person to relax their amygdala so the prefrontal cortex can get back online and people can actually continue to work. Otherwise, they will be stuck and their productivity goes down. They don't know what to do in that moment. They don't understand. So they start to act out when they feel isolated and alone. This episode is courtesy of EMC Leaders. I'm Dr. Lola Gershfeld, your host and founder of EMC Leaders. In the past 13 years, we've intervened in over 900 cases, helping teams at Miraculous, Syntego, Pepperdine University, The Wooden Floor, and others to achieve better teamwork, fewer workplace conflict, and more employee engagement. At EMC Leaders, we help companies master the art of relationships, so they can spend less time managing people problems and more time accomplishing their most important work. As humans, we are social creatures who rely on relationships to calm our nervous system. Once at ease, we can safely express ideas, take risks, and show up as our most authentic selves without worrying if we will be rejected or abandoned. In other words, relationships are powerful. We harness that power to help leaders encourage the best in their teams and themselves. We offer training programs for individuals, teams, and companies. To learn more about ways you can bring emotional connection to your team or organization, go to emcleaders.com. The link is in the show notes. Now back to the episode. I think one of the things that HR professionals and managers can do is to make sure that their people don't feel alone and isolated. So their world around them is not dangerous and untrustworthy. If they work in an environment where they can have a place to share their vulnerability and fears and place where they do feel supported and heard and feel that their manager really cares about them, then they can deal with whatever is coming at them. Trauma really distorts our view of the world in a negative way. So in order for people to get out of that stuck places, I think HR professionals and managers can learn how to have that ability to so for the employees to share their emotions, fears, and needs, and have that opportunity to be there for them in moments of stress. Really great advice. And of course, EMC Leaders has such great strategy to support this. Is there anything else that you would suggest outside of meeting groups? Because I know I've you know worked at companies myself where when something happens in the world or something scary people just kind of write an, an email <laughs> and it's like here's an email we have support if you need it maybe you know this group you know having a group discussion is wonderful so people can meet have a place to chat as we were talking about but is there anything else that can really support um people that are, are you know processing trauma differently not everybody really likes to share um, is there any other ideas that you feel like would be really helpful for people who maybe, you know, process that in a different way? Well, Jana, uh, early in our conversation today, you shared about your ma- uh, role model, like a manager. Right? Yeah. I want you to share that because I think role modeling is so important. What what happened in your experience? I just had one really great manager that, you know, during one-on-ones, and uh, he was always concentrated on what each person on his team was good at and making sure that they also saw what other colleagues on our teams were good at, where they thrived and 
it just really, and it, you just always felt heard. I always felt that what I was good at was acknowledged and was pushed to grow upon and what I could work on was always was also acknowledged and used as a tool to get better at rather than something that I would, could be ashamed of. So I feel like it, I always felt like these are things that you're great at. This is what we can work on. And also think of those things on your team for your teammates. So together, our team was just this really solid unit and I felt really supported and I learned a lot from having that kind of a leader. So yeah, I mean, I guess that answers my question. It's something really great that leaders can do. And really asking and getting to know the people that work for them. You really hit like the nail on the head is that the leader is the key attachment figure for the direct reports, for the employees. It's how the brain responds to connections, to our relationships. So the manager, the direct manager is like a parent to uh, to us. In that type of a relationship, the brain always asks, are you there for me? Can I connect with you? Will you respond to me? Where are you? If the manager demonstrates that what we call ARE relationship, which where the manager is accessible emotionally, responsive emotionally, and engaged emotionally with their team members, then the direct reports will feel valued and heard. And one word you said in our conversation is I really felt that he cared about me. And you said, I was able to do things that I could never do before. He got the best out of me. That's true. Why? Yeah, why yeah. is that? I feel like when you, you feel more invested, when you feel seen, you feel like, oh, this person really cares about where I'm going and you don't want to disappoint yourself or them or your team. And you create this kind of familial, like we're all in this together. I learned, I was more open to learning about things. I learned the most in that role because I felt like I really had a support system and a foundation behind me. And I mean, that really follows along with the EMC strategy too. <laughs> exactly. Because your amygdala, was it at rest? Yeah. Was at rest and your prefrontal cortex was right, functioning the best and was engaged. If I ask that question, was your manager there for you? And your answer would be? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know, and I know each and every person on my team, no matter the level would have said a hundred percent. Yeah, our scores were always great. Everybody looked to our team for <laughs> great scores. So yeah, exactly. A manager is the role model, but for the manager to be able to tune into that emotion and catch the moments when they pay attention, like paying attention to the facial expression, pay attention to the change of behavior and not uh, addressing it with uh, personal improvement plans, but saying like, what's happening? I want to know. And when the person shares, they tune into that emotion. So the person feels heard, supported, understood, and absolutely matters. And the, 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 the manager cares about them. And I think from that emotional level, you really get the best results because you tune into that most powerful motivational force in our brain, which is the longing for connection. When you were able to connect with your manager, you said when he left, we all cried. We did. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> and that's that's amazing because we want to have that type of connection with with people that we work with. Absolutely. EMC leaders, the strategy is wonderful and it really shows leaders how to help their teams. But we also have a, res a responsibility as individuals on a team to really recognize what's going on with ourselves and maybe 
people process trauma in different ways. And so when people are feeling upset, what do you think, what's the best advice you could give individuals coming into a team to kind of keep themselves in check to make sure that they keep, I mean, like I said, there's all types of trauma, there's personal, there's some runs very deep, but kind of like just when people feel stressed of, you know, the horrible things that go on in the world and just how, what would the advice be for people to make sure like, hey, this is this is the best thing you can do for yourself and your own sanity in your workplace. What would you say to do? I think one of the things that is really hard to do, and I think the best thing is slow things down. Right? It's so hard for us to slow things down, but really rec- recognize, okay, what's happening with me right now? What am I doing? Oh, I'm being so critical or I'm withdrawing and disengaging. Well, what's going on? What triggered me? What's some of the raw spot that hit for me? slowing things down to just reflect and understand yourself gives you the more empowerment of how to navigate through difficult conversations, how to dance with people, because interaction is a dance and emotion is the music of the dance. If we want to learn how to step out of the negative cycles, how to not get stuck in these negative interactions, we really, first of all, and foremost, understand ourselves. So the slow motion camera that we teach in our course helps you to slow things down. It's like rewinding a tape, rewinding a scene in the movie and just really frame by frame recognizing what is happening in us. How am I going to put my feet in this dance, whether it is going to create more connection or is it going to get me stuck in more disconnection? So I think slowing it down and recognizing what we do in the cycle, how do we play the role in promoting the cycle or changing the cycle that gives you a better sense of how we behave and how we build our relationships. Our brain is wired for bonding. Our brain is wired to respond to others. And one of the reasons why trauma, particularly with people we depend on, is so damaging for us is because it interferes with that social engagement system. It interferes with our ability to bond with other people, to turn to other people, and get that source of comfort and support that we all need in the world because we are a fragile species. Have you noticed we don't have claws? Our teeth are quite small. Basically, in terms of being the dominant species on this planet, How did we do that? Well, we did it by reading the messages on each other's faces, by creating a social brain that allowed us to tune into each other and coordinate, cooperate, and come together as tribes, as families, as teams, and form a special bond with people who would care for us. That's why we're the dominant species on this planet. There's an old idea that Charles Darwin talked about the survival of the fittest. He never used that phrase. That was one of his commentators, in fact. If you read Darwinian theory, what Darwin talked about and and what all the science in neuroscience talks about is the fact that survival goes to the most nurtured. Survival goes to those who can connect with other people and create strong relationships and have that as a resource. And one of the dreadful things about trauma is it isolates people and people cannot heal in isolation. It cuts us off from the greatest resource we have in life, which is connection. And that is amazingly significant. So what we do with teams is we try to create that connection. We bring that connection back. Are you enjoying this episode so far? If you are, would you consider leaving us a rating and review on your podcast app? 
that helps the show grow. And it allows for more people to understand the importance of emotional connection at the workplace. Your rating and review not only supports our work, it supports our mission of creating safer work environments and happier teams. And don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast for more episodes. We help people to have the ability to connect. And then that connection helps people to feel safe where they can heal their trauma. And then we create relationships that heal. I think that's great advice. I think the world could, you know, use concentrating a little bit more on the people, on love and the people that they care about more than, you know, all the the terrible things out there. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jenna. It was such a great conversation. And I feel like it would be so helpful for others to hear and very applicable to what's going on with everybody. So as always, your advice is so valuable. Thank you, Jenna. It was so fun to be here with you. Thank you everyone for listening. It's a joy to share these podcasts with you. Be sure to check out our previous podcasts and subscribe to join us on our next podcast of The Leader in You. Brought to you by EMC Leaders, taking care of the teams you care about. Until then, be well and be focused on your relationships. We'll see you soon.